Welcome to So Wait Pause, the podcast where we pair a good and a bad movie and get drunk while we do it. This is Ashley, and I'm with my favorite drinking buddy, Sean. Hey. I haven't seen you all day, even though we've been in the same house working. Yeah, it's a standard thing. But it's like, I think this is literally the first time I'm looking at your face all day today. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I have my own private office, finally, that after many my months. office. <laughs> used to be, yeah. Goodness. Um, I just opened up a beer from one of the ones that you got for me when we were in uh, Birmingham. This one is called Slush from Prairie Artisan Ales. It looks like it's from Oklahoma. Yeah, it just it was they had like a sour section, so I went and found one there. It's a sour ale with strawberry, raspberry, lemon, and lime. This is basically just becoming like kids' drinks at this point. How is it? <laughs> I haven't tasted it yet. Oh. Here, live taste test. That's a sour. <laughs> yeah. Sour. I like it. It's good. I mean, everything that you drink, it sounds like a smoothie or something. I'm not mad about it. Yeah, I can't stand sours. They're too too much for me. Mm. They're too sour. <laughs> this tastes like you took a warhead and put it in a glass of water and then you're drinking it. I saw a TikTok that warhead sour candies are good with people who experience panic attacks. Like if like you feel like a panic attack coming on, you suck on a warhead and like the difference like stimuli from like the extreme sourness to like, extreme sweetness is supposed to like switch your brain around. That sounds real scientific. <laughs> you know, it just switches your brain around. It kind of yeah. sounds like those uh, Sour Patch Kids. Sour Isn't... Patch Kids are not sour. The whole advertisement is first sour and then sweet. That's the whole, yeah, but the whole commercial thing. It's like, it's like first mildly sweet, then sickly sweet. Yeah. The I mean, Warheads are pretty warheads sour. Warheads like make your mouth literally like pucker. Yeah, and I can't think of when they ever become sweet necessarily they do after like that first coating comes off it becomes pretty sweet i haven't had a warhead since i was in like elementary school they're my favorite candy i used to like basically get ulcers on my tongue it's so gross because <laughs> i love them so much i mean my friends and i used to always do that thing where you like stand away from water or something like that and then put like multiple warheads in your mouth at once did you ever do that a lot of people did like dares with warheads to see like how many you could eat at a time it without having like water to like make it less sour. Oh, I've never even thought to sip water to make something less sour. Yeah, it typically worked with warheads. Interesting. No, I did not play that, but I bet I could win. Maybe. I mean, we did it like at the pool normally, like the local pool. Like you stand up in the bleachers, you put like five warheads in your mouth and then the water fountain is like across the side, you know? What a picture of a life in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Community pool, even. Um, I'm trying to think. Right now, um, I have us watching Midnight Mass on Netflix. Yeah, Midnight Mass started off slow and got better. Yeah, the I would first... say we're probably halfway through right now. Really? Because the first two episodes were a little slow. I don't know. I've lived it since the beginning. I think so. It's Mike Flanagan who has really hit it out of the park the past two years with his haunting shows on Netflix. The first one being the haunting of Hill house. And we were so, I mean, I still stand by that haunting of Hill house is one of the best horror things ever created. Yeah. And that one was scarier from the beginning. That one I thought was scary all the way through and, mm -hmm. or at least had from the very start, you know, they wake up with the thing floating above them and all that stuff. And mm -hmm. then it played out really well. That was great. 
The second one was less scary overall, uh-huh. but had scary moments. This mm-hmm. one started out not scary whatsoever. Yeah. Like there was almost no horror for three or four episodes. Yeah, you can definitely tell that he's trying to say, he's trying to see if he can play with the idea of an idea being horrific rather than just jump scares. Yeah, and I just don't know how that plays out in today's audience. You mean you? Because I'm loving it. No, so, I mean, I do like that type of horror. Normally, you don't like that type of horror. Like, you're the one that typically, because we talked about, like, the idea of, like, Cthulhu-style horror, like, where it's just, like, notions of big and terrible things. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, I can not like that. But in some ways, I can. Yeah. This reminded me a little bit of that thing that we watched about the people that are hiking in the Himalayas. Yeah. What is that? I can't remember. can't remember. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, but they were hiking in the Himalayas and they like somebody falls down the hole and finds this like creepy skeleton mm-hmm. of like an old monk type thing, but it's clearly like kind of demonic or something. And then from then on out, there's just like a whole bunch of weird stuff happening. It reminded me a little bit of that because in this one too, it's kind of the premise of just finding some ancient thing. Right. Anyways, we won't talk more about it because it does become spoilery whenever we talk about it getting good. Yeah, I guess so. But that is a good segue into what we're starting this week with our movie pairings. It is, yeah, because we're starting our October movies are always horror movies. Last time we were a little loose on how many of them had to be horror, but this time I think we're going to pair both. Both of the picks will be at least kind of Halloween-ish or horror-ish somewhere in that genre. So I started off, speaking of the 90s also, Seven, which came out earlier than I remembered it coming out. When did it come out? Came out in 1995. Oh, that's about the time I was thinking. I was really thinking it was going to be like 99 or even the early 2000s for Mm -hmm. some reason. But uh, nope, it is 1995. And for those of you who don't remember Seven, I mean, I'm assuming a lot of people, most everyone has seen Seven at this point. I don't know. Or at least heard of it. So many people in this. Uh, You have Brad Pitt, of course, as one of the main characters. Morgan Freeman as his partner who's also like a main character, Gwyneth Paltrow as his wife, which I kind of forgot about. I forgot who mm-hmm. played his wife. Arlie Ermey, if you remember uh, Ermey. Who's that? He did Mail Call on History Channel. He was in a, mm-hmm. like a ton of 90s movies as the like army sergeant who would like yell. Oh, wait, I think I can picture him. I'm There's a picturing picture him in my head and now I want to see. No, that's not. Wait, no, that's not who I was thinking of. Uh, he's in a ton of stuff. Um, he started doing comedies after a while, but he originally was in like war type mm-hmm. movies or action movies, that type of thing. And then have you named our problematic person? <laughs> no, I haven't gotten <laughs> to that one yet. Uh, but there's, there's a ton of other people. John McGinley, who mm-hmm. is from Scrubs mm-hmm. and also Brooklyn Nine-Nine now, mm-hmm. who plays the police. Mm-hmm. Um Police union president or something like that. He's like the attorney that represents. I thought that he was the head of the police union. I don't know. It's one of those two. Uh, Tons of other people, though. And of course, the big one that Ashley was alluding to was Kevin Spacey. Yeah. He is a real problematic person who there's so much of his work that I adored, but we've been steering clear of most of his stuff since all of his stuff came out. We will say that we do have a holiday tradition that we've done for the past couple of years that revolves around Kevin Spacey. Yeah. That I think we should kick off tonight by watching. Yeah. So Kevin Spacey made a series of, there's a Thanksgiving one and then a Christmas one, right? I think so, yeah. Where he just taped himself 
in his own house acting like Frank Underwood. Yep. I don't know why he's exactly. Just, he's just musing about random things and like then it gets pretty direct on like, you think you know me, but you don't. And like I really uh <laughs> caught me. Yeah. <laughs> Classic Frank Underwood <laughs> accent I, like, from started Oliver out, Twist. I started out with that, uh, <laughs> kind of the right Southern, and then I just went really bad. Okay, well, that was bad. Did you watch House of Cards? <laughs> of I'm the one who didn't watch it, but it's funny that uh, that classic Frank Underwood accent. <laughs> it's not what I intended to come out of my mouth, and it's just what did. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, governor. <laughs> Yeah, thank you, know me. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a scene, my shot in the dark is if there's a scene where Kevin Spacey says, hello, Poppet, <laughs> when he uh, talks to Brad Pitt. Oh, Lord. Well, either which way, this is a David Fincher movie. And so David Fincher movies, uh, I've been like hot and cold on. I don't know why. They're, they're all good. The problem is that he doesn't make the type of movie that I enjoy watching all the time. When he makes a precise type of movie, I enjoy watching. Yeah, relentlessly time. dark and foreboding and yeah. depressing. Yes, and typically with some type of mystery to solve. Yeah, I guess so. Though Seven is one of my favorite movies, so you have that. Did he make Social Network? Yep. Okay, so that one's not dark and foreboding. It's just slow and... Are you kidding me? I mean, I did like it way more than I thought I would like it. I'll, I'll say that much. Because going into it, I just like, I didn't really have an urge to watch that story. You know, I knew enough about the story and I don't know if I needed to watch somebody play Mark Zuckerberg. Well, turns out you did. I'd much rather watch a movie about what Mark Zuckerberg is doing today. It's true. Because <laughs> it's way more dastardly <laughs> than anything he was doing back then. It's true. Um, I went and looked for some drinking rules for Seven. Oh, well, I was going to read the synopsis real quick, too. Oh, yeah. So while you're looking that up, the synopsis is when retiring police detective William Somerset, played by Morgan Freeman, tackles a final case with the aid of newly transferred David Mills, played by Brad Pitt, they discover a number of elaborate and grisly murders. They soon realize they're dealing with a serial killer, played by Kevin Spacey, who is targeting people he thinks represent one of the seven deadly sins. Somerset also befriends Mills' wife, Tracy, played by Gwyneth Paltrow, who is pregnant and afraid to raise her child in the crime-riddled city. So, for drinking rules, I guess this isn't really the type of movie that people are like, yeah, I'm going to get drunk to it. Yeah, no, it's way too so, serious. <laughs> so, definitely doesn't have um, as many drinking rules, but drinking4.com has some. This was probably published in 1995. And they have like six, so I'm just going to pick a few. So when the day of the week appears on the screen, the seven sins are referenced. The murderer is said to be insane or a freak, and anyone talks about their past. All right. Want to get wasted rules every time it is raining. Yeah, I, it rains a lot, so I remember that. Did they mention the train? Uh -uh. I don't know how often it happens, but we can mention anytime you hear a train. Mm. Part of the premise is that, like, they hate their new apartment in the mm -hmm. city because there's always, like, a subway train that goes right. over it. Right. Um, and I think there might be other trains, just to add one more to that. Mm -hmm. But then, of course, the finished drink rule is what's in the box. Of course. So. Well, neither of us get a shot in the dark because we've both seen this movie multiple times. Yeah. Uh, I, I think... Have you ever seen House of Wax? Because that's the second movie that I'm pairing with. I saw it once when it first came out. I couldn't tell you a single thing about it. Me too. So I think we will get a shot in the dark mm -hmm. on House of Wax because right. I cannot remember anything about that movie. Right. Already I remember the very general premise. I already have my shot in the dark for that. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think I remember a single scene from that movie, and then I know, like, only the most basic premise. I don't remember how it ends or what leads up mm-hmm. to anything. So yeah. I just remember, like, when they're in the museum. Yeah. Okay, well, let's go watch Seven. All right. And we're back from watching Seven. It was fantastic. Yeah, and as we officially learned, it's not necessarily spelled with a seven as a V. No, I think that was just on the cover art. I guess it was just... Well, like, when I Googled it and I found it for us to watch, I was able to find it using a seven as a V. Hmm. But... Well, maybe you can spell it either which way. I don't I don't know. But <laughs> you know what the official rule will be is IMDb. Yeah. I'm looking it up now. Well, I think IMDb is what helps do the Amazon stuff. Because, you know, it's always the IMDb rating that's in the corner. Seven has it with a seven. Our IMDb has it with a seven. So, se-seven-in? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly right. Well, yeah, uh, fantastic. Uh, David Fincher, he really pulled it out with this one. This is an earlier one, too, right? What's amazing is that this was made in 1995. And if you told me this was made in 2015, I would have been like, okay. You know, like, yeah. it did not look like a 90s movie. <laughs> right, yeah. I or mean, feel, or acting, like... We watch a lot, a lot of '90s movies. A lot of good '90s movies too. Yeah. Well, and we brought up to how Morgan Freeman looks exactly the same, yeah. and he plays a character in 1995 that is retiring from the police force. Right. <laughs> and now it is many years later, and he is still he could play the exact same role, the exact same age of that character. I feel exactly. I don't know. Brad Pitt looks older now than he did in this, but uh, Kevin Spacey looks kind of the same too. But Kevin Spacey now, yeah, Kevin Spacey Spacey got bigger. I don't know. It was that kind of blew my mind. But you're right. Everything about the movie felt. I mean, I guess it was ahead of its time. I mean, I feel like this really contributed to things like Saw, all of those modern good horror movies, not like the trilogies and the terrible the spinoffs. But this definitely had a heavy influence on on the original Saw which I think was also good. But then the other saw is not so good. Something else we immediately noticed, like from the first second, is that this has the American Horror Story intro. Yeah, um, we did not realize that American Horror Story has basically plagiarized all of its openings every season from the opening of Seven. Yeah, and it, I mean, if you don't believe us, go. it's like the same music. Mm-hmm, <laughs> it's like same. not the exact same, but it's like, like the, pretty s- the same, you know, in general. Feel. Yeah, <laughs> The music is the same. The way they splice things together is the same in that like creepy, like physical film things overlapping and getting pushed together. And like that whole feel of it, that is exactly this. Right. So they had to have been influenced. I mean, because that's such a famous movie, you'd think. I looked it up. This grossed $100 million when it came out, uh, which is not too shabby for this type of movie. Right. So, I mean, I had no idea that, uh, you know, that that was influenced by that because I haven't seen it since high school. Uh, I watched it once in college. I think that was the last time I saw it. Right. I think my senior year of high school was the last time I watched it. Mm. It held up. It was just as good. I felt just as intense this time. Everything about it. I also brought up like how this is mid-90s, but the set pieces and like the victims, all that stuff, it looks so real. I was just thinking about it because I was thinking, I was like, when's the first time I watched this? And it was high school. And I remember we were like, it was like a Friday or Saturday night and... We were all going over to a guy's house to, like, watch a movie. And the guys had picked the movie. Mm -hmm. 
And it was one of those things like it was all like the same friend group, but it was also kind of one of those like hangout sessions where like some of the boys and girls like each other. Maybe there might be some cuddling during the movie or something, you know, like one of those like innocent Mm -hmm. like teen things. And I just remember no cuddling happened. We were (laughs) were all very directly involved in this movie. Yeah, I have to be a very opposite memory of 13 Ghosts. (laughs) (laughs) Worst movie ever. Sean last year tried to proclaim 13 Ghosts as his favorite horror movie of all time. And then we watched it. You know, it really was one of my favorite movies in memory. Is it because it was the first time you saw boobs? No. Well, no, it wouldn't have been. But it's like... So I'm trying to remember that when that movie came out, I would think that I was in seventh or eighth grade, like when it came out. Mm-hmm. But what I'm thinking about too is like, uh, I went and rewatched it in high school, like maybe my sophomore or junior year of high school or something like that. And there was just people making out and whatever, like nobody paid attention. <laughs> it was actually a little sad because I chose that movie because I liked it so much. <laughs> That's what a short story <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. And I was like, come on guys. <laughs> I mean, I was there with my high school girlfriend too. Yeah. So it's like, it was just like one of those situations where I actually wanted to watch right. the movie, <laughs> and uh, and then everybody else's is being high schoolers. Uh, uh, last, uh, it was last Halloween. Like we were trying to rank our top five favorite horror movies of all time, and like Sean had it as like two or one. No, it, I actually have it still written down. Actually, please find it. I want to see where it was ranked, and you can't change it. Uh, I won't. Let's see. I'm so I was just thinking about this the other day because you know we went and. We wrote this down a while ago, and it was last and then I was looking last Halloween. You said, yeah, and I was out looking for you know movie ideas because I keep a list, a running list here. Okay, I have it. Hmm. What was it? It was number three. These might not be in. These aren't in order, so that's not good. Yeah, yeah. I these know. are these are not in order. This is almost in the opposite order. But the top, it did make the top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Top seven. Because uh, I have Cabin in the Woods, Saw, the first one, 13 Ghosts, Let the Right One In, the vampire mm-hmm. one, but the original one, not the not Let Me In, mm-hmm. the American terrible remake. Uh, Midsummer, which is, I'm going to choose that sometime. It's going to be a good movie. Mm-hmm. It, Chapter 1. Mm-hmm. Chapter 2 was not nearly as good. Chapter 1 was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And Creep. I have mine in order. From when we did this last year. Yeah, I know that's not in order because I'm pretty sure I put Let the Right One In as number one. Really? I don't remember that. Yeah. What's my number one? Uh, Your number one would be Scream. Yeah, I'm like, you have to think about this that hard. No, uh, you've also talked a lot about I Know What You Did last summer and then we never watched it. Oh, that's definitely not my favorite horror movie. I think it's an excellent bad movie that definitely needs to be brought to the table one day. Mm-hmm. My number two is Haunting of Hill House, which we talked about in the top segment. Which is a series, but not a movie. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I, it's a long format movie. Mm, a very long <laughs> format movie. Can you imagine watching any movie that was like 12 or 14 hours long? Uh, number three, I have The Invitation. Okay, yeah. That's a good one. Um, number four, I have The Others. Mm-hmm. And number five, I have Get Out. Yeah, Get Out is one that probably should have made my list. But, yeah. uh, you know, I stick with it. 13 Ghosts was actually really fun to watch. It, was it like scary or good? No, but it was a, it would be a good, bad movie. Yeah, I will say though, when we watched it though, you had just told me it was like your third favorite horror movie of all time. And so I sat down to watch a really good horror movie, yeah. not an epically bad movie. Yeah. I don't know. You know, you could pair that too with uh, Scream. Yeah. Because of uh, what's his face? Who plays the killer in Scream? 
There's two people, but like um, Matthew Lillard's the Matthew one. Lillard is in <laughs> Thirteen Ghosts. Oh yeah, you're right. Remember, because he's getting paid to capture mm-hmm. the ghosts. Because it starts off kind of Ghostbustery, where you're yeah. <laughs> looking for ghosts and like capturing them <laughs> to put them in this house. Um, but that that aside, going back to Seven, much better movie. I'm assuming this won awards when it came out. Oh, for sure, it had to have. But uh, I'm there had to have been nominations at minimum. Yeah. I will say, if you choose this as a drinking movie, it is a little dark for a drinking movie. It's a little serious. I'll touch on that in a second. If you're going to be eating <laughs> while watching this, start eating like after the first 30 minutes or so. That's so true. Because we started eating during the gluttony scene when the house is just, you know, roach infested and like there's literally, you know, like maggots crawling on things, roaches crawling across the table this dead man with a bucket of vomit, like all, you know, it's, it's horrendous. That is not what you need to be looking at when you're trying to eat food. And then here we are ordering French fries, um, <laughs> with like a sausage like <laughs> gravy gravy to go on top of it. I couldn't eat it. I ate like two bites. And oh was my like, goodness. Done. <laughs> it, that was one of the reasons why I was like, I really wish you hadn't poured that on top of there. I, I put it as it was intended to be consumed. Yeah. Oh man. You want to know what's crazy? The only, Oscar that it was nominated for was Best Film Editing, and it didn't even win. Wow. Mm-hmm. You would have thought that, like, Best Supporting Actor, like, mm-hmm. nomination at least. Yeah. From either, I mean, I don't like to say that Kevin Spacey. <laughs> the, the, but, K-word. I mean, <laughs> the K-word. I mean, I'll tell you what, Kevin Spacey was good in this, so he that's was, undeniable. So excellent in this. Um, Turns out because he's actually a psychopath, so. And maybe, maybe that's it. I mean, it makes perfect sense, but uh, definitely, like, Kind of maybe skip over, <laughs> skip mm-hmm. eating until you watch that first scene. The whole thing is like, it makes a good choice in that it has really grotesque scenes that they don't make you look straight at. Yeah, that is also, I was going to say that as well, is that like, especially during the lust scene, I appreciate that there was a very huge opportunity to sexualize a mutilated woman's body Mm -hmm. and that did not happen right and they don't even show they show the very like bottom of her legs right and even that not so much really you just get the premise from the picture of the harness type thing that Mm -hmm. kevin spacey's character uh, john doe was Mm -hmm. making the guy wear Mm -hmm. right so it's like that's really all you see and a lot of these scenes are like that so when they go to the woman's house what, what was that one for where they go to the woman's house, they're in like a flat. Remember, she's like crying and the like. Oh, she was the assistant to the DA that was murdered. Oh, the assistant to the DA. Okay. Uh, I thought that was his wife because she was crying so much. No, she was his assistant. Mm, that's a little weird. But uh, yeah, so when they go there and they're having her look through the at the photos, mm-hmm. it's like they even have like post-it notes over like the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the whole thing is told that way. Mm-hmm. Other thing, like gluttony is probably the most direct. Yeah. Where you see the body, you see like how gross mm-hmm. the like place mm-hmm. is and all that. But for the most part, I would say even like a more American horror story sometimes goes further mm-hmm. than this goes in terms of showing you yeah, the thing, which I, I don't like as much. I like this better. Right. Because then you get like, it's like spooky and creepy and like you get that whole visceral feeling, but you don't have to also stare at it, which I feel is like what Saw 1 did so well, minus the foot cutting scene. Saw 1 did a similar thing where they did like uh, skip editing, you know, like where it's like you don't have to watch him like 
cut into the dead guy's stomach to get a key. It's like skipping through and you just see Mm -hmm. like a bloody key in his fingers or uh, the person who crawled through barbed wire. You see the aftermath of that happening. Saw was told in a very similar style to this minus the last scene. Mm -hmm. And it was bloodier, of course, than this. Uh, But then like Saw 2 went off the rails and the ones after that were just literally like here. I want you to directly watch someone like cut their hand off for 20 minutes. Yeah, no. It went way too far. But when it was told like this, I think it's so much better. And that's why Saw 1 was so much better. We do need to discuss your favorite origin story. Yeah, so, and I was going to bring that up because <laughs> this is a very heavy movie. And if you want it to be part of a more fun <laughs> uh, movie <laughs> drinking pairing, here's one way to do it. When you are watching Seven, Gwyneth Paltrow plays uh, Tracy, is that her name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, T- Tracy. Brad Pitts, uh, whose name is Mills, mm-hmm. his wife. And the whole time, from like the first time that they move there, uh, you know, they're supposedly brand new to the city. Mm-hmm. It's It looks exactly like the New York cities of the 80s and 90s, mm-hmm. except for somehow, like, they don't ever say where it is. So maybe it's like a Gotham situa- mm-hmm. situation where, like, it's just like a place. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you don't need to know where it is. Mm-hmm. But then everything else is one blatantly in California, the mm-hmm. last scene, in those types of things. But you're supposed to believe that they just moved here. They don't know anybody in the whole mm-hmm. city. And so she's kind of alone. He's always working, mm-hmm. etc. And for whatever reason, Gwyneth Paltrow decides that she's just going to call Detective Somerset, which is Morgan Freeman, mm-hmm. for anything and everything. <laughs> she calls him to invite him to dinner, but mm-hmm. she calls like Brad Pitt to then hand the phone to, <laughs> to his partner and invite him over for dinner. She talks to him later in private. like She's constantly talking to him. And when she first invites Morgan Freeman over for dinner, you know he, he gets there and opens the door and she's like, hi, welcome into my home. And all I could think about is that this was going to be a pitch for Goop. (laughs) (laughs) And one way to watch this movie so that it's a lot more lighthearted is every time that she is talking to Somerset, imagine that she's trying to pitch him on a business opportunity. (laughs) Like for $10,000, I know that you're about to retire. You're not going to have a lot of income coming in. Have you considered becoming an entrepreneur? Right. <laughs> a self-made? Do you want to be a girl boss? Yeah, do you want to be a girl boss? It works so many times. I don't even know why. Because it, it, yeah, it she does not joke. know this man. Yeah. <laughs> she does not know him. And yet she only talks to him. And it's always in like a weird way of like, I have something I needed to tell you about. Right. Like, can we sit down and like just have a conversation? Right. Also in that scene where she is uh, inviting him over for, for dinner, you see. Uh, so the train rule was a good rule. And the train goes by in that scene and the whole house shakes. Turns out it was also uh, it was a subway. Yeah, it's a subway train. <laughs> you really wanted to stick it there. That's still what it's called, right? Like it's you can still know, call that a, a, a train, right? It's called a subway. But yes, it's, it's it, I when you say train, I think of like a locomotive. I just think of something on tracks. Okay, cool. Yeah. If this is going to help you sleep better tonight, we can we can go with that. I mean, I don't know what you call the physical thing that drives through the subway, right? It's like, a subway. Like the subway car? It's a subway. But I don't think... I think the subway is the physical place, like right? So you have like the subway tunnels and the subway like... Yeah, for the subway. Yeah, well, you know what? It still makes noise. <laughs> and that's what happens in this. It still makes noise. <laughs> it makes enough noise. Uh, and that's a, that's one other thing. When you watch this, think about how much money these people would have to have in, in wherever they are, New York or L.A. or whatever else, 
to afford these apartments. Yeah, they're huge. Supposedly, they live in like the worst, rattiest part of town uh, that their house shakes when the subway goes goes by or whatever. And somehow this thing has like nine rooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's John Doe lives in like a massive uh, apartment. Yeah, it's like a labyrinth. Though they do mention that he's like independently wealthy. Yeah, and there's so many doors with locks on it. I wonder if he had bought several units of the apartment complex he was in. Yeah, that's also possible. And like had them connected. Right. Though this also raises the question to me. I I know that New York and Los Angeles were much more dangerous in this time period. But was it this bad? I mean, like, they make this out to seem like everything is just absolutely horrendous all of the time. Like, Mm -hmm. everything is broken down. Everything is covered in grime and bugs. Everything is horrendous. Everything is, it's always wet and raining. The raining thing is what's crazy because yeah, you can't you can't use that as a drinking rule. You're just, you're, you're gonna die. But like I was noticing it and I was like, oh look, it's not raining right now. And then be like, nope, it, it's raining now. There's only one scene where it doesn't really rain, and that's the last scene. Right, and it's like that had to be a directorial choice. Like it's not like it was raining like that every single day of filming. No, that's fake rain. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's like, what I'm saying. It's like it's yeah, yeah. Like a, no, and, and you can definitely tell it because the way that Kevin Spacey is sitting, like the sun is almost like haloing his mm-hmm. head. I think it's definitely like mm-hmm. in his mind, he brought mm-hmm. some sort of truth to this, mm-hmm. like uh, that type of thing. I, I also wrote down one of my favorite quotes because I've started to do that with every movie. I write down my favorite quote. One of my favorite quotes here is Morgan Freeman's character meets with this random person and hands him like a stack of money and you don't know what he did it for. And when Brad Pitt asked him, like, what was going on? Like, did we just blow, I don't know, $100 or however much it was? Mm-hmm. He was like, that guy works for the FBI. There's a secret program where we look at library cards. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody checks out something like Mein Kampf or mm-hmm. nuclear bomb or like, yeah, nuclear mm-hmm. weapons or something like that. Their library card data will get fed to the FBI and they'll like track it to see if people are like, you know, like they're going to they're planning for a conspiracy or a murder or something like that. Mm -hmm. And at first, Brad Pitt doesn't understand how that's important. And he says, this guy's a nutbag. Just because he has a library card doesn't make him Yoda. (laughs) (laughs) So that was funny. And that's when uh, Morgan Freeman was like, no, 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 like we we can look at who's been reading the divine comedy and who's been reading like blah, 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 blah. And then at least they'll give us a name to like, look at like based on their reading history. I really wonder if that premise could work today. What would you track? Like if, I mean, you would track not library cards, right? I mean, we're post Patriot Act. Cause that's the other thing is that Brad Pitt is like, this isn't legal. <laughs> and Morgan Freeman's like, doesn't have to be legal or whatever, but like that's 1995. Right. By the year that the Patriot Act was initiated, like they could do whatever. They're way more than that. Right. You record your full phone calls, let alone your library card. Right. But I wonder if that still worked today. What would you even get from library card data today? Do people go to libraries? Um, that I don't pay my fees that I have owed for ten years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I use the library like because I use it through with OverDrive so right. that I can get books for free, like yeah, to but, rent. But but you do that like in a digital space. Yeah, right, yeah. right. But it's, it would still go into my library card because they right. know what I checked out. 
Yeah, but can you even reserve books like Minecraft on? Yeah, or you can prove it. Anything that Do it is right now, check it out. <laughs> no, <I'm not> gonna... <laughs> but my point is that. Yeah, like all libraries have things like Mein Kampf and, and whatever. I understand that a library may have the physical book. Mm-hmm. I want to know if you can digitally get the book through our library. I don't know. I'll look it up later, but it doesn't matter. Also, I've this read... That's actually how I'm trying to get rid of Sean. At one point in time, <laughs> at one point in time, I believe that I had a copy of Mein Kampf because I wanted to understand... Because I went through this big phase of like, I read... I can't remember. It's like, it's not the... Rise and fall. You know, there's like the rise and fall of Roman civilization and all that stuff. Uh-huh. There's one like that about Nazi Germany. Uh-huh. And it was like a thousand pages long, but I read that uh-huh. thing over like a year. And I was so interested in World War II for a brief period of time, uh, especially because we had the Holocaust Museum in, in Dallas. Uh-huh. And we were taken there in seventh grade i believe to see everything and like it's pretty intense they had like mm-hmm. a train car that you have to stand in mm-hmm. to like get into the museum and like mm-hmm. it was a really good surprising like a weird museum to be in dallas you wouldn't mm-hmm. associate it necessarily but anyway i guess so i got so interested in that and i and i checked out or owned i don't remember which one a copy of mein Kampf just to be like so like what does it even say mm-hmm. well like nothing that makes any sort of fucking sense for modern <laughs> people like <laughs> It is so specific to like the early 1900s Germany, like like German civilization. Like there is almost nothing that you we can even kind of understand. The whole thing is just referencing shit that happened from like 1910 in Germany. Mm-hmm. It is so specific to their like culture and civilization and history. So like I, I honestly don't know why we have this like aversion to to that specifically because I don't know what you're drawing out of it uh, other than disliking the Weimar Republic or something like that, <laughs> which I don't think is a big worry for, for modern Americans, but whatever. The last thing I was going to say is that this is the worst ad ever for FedEx or UPS. <laughs> yeah, I, I was checking out the the name of the delivery company on the side of the it's van. It's made up, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, it's like a local delivery guy with a van. Yeah, it's like a courier, but yeah, I was, I was happy to see it wasn't one of the big two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Castaway was bad enough for FedEx, right? <laughs> The FedEx kind of like leaned into it. I felt they like, definitely did. which is a little weird because it's about their plane crashing. Yeah, but they still got the package delivered. Yeah, right. Because at the end, he's like, yeah, he still gets there or whatever. I'd probably be getting like a three-hour call with FedEx about that if that were real. <laughs> and them telling me that it still got delivered. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. Uh, hopefully, we're not delivering many heads and boxes. But God. Okay, so before we get our podcast put on like a blacklist, talking about mind off and shipping heads and boxes, that's uh, part of the movie that we watched. Both of the both of those things are directly related to the movie we watched. I understand. Um, I wouldn't call this a good a good drinking movie. No, no, it's I way thoroughly, too serious. I thoroughly enjoyed watching it, but it is definitely not the one that you pull out for a fun night of drinking. You know, I made my own what I'm like my own pet peeve. Because the reason I normally veto David Fincher mm-hmm. movies is because they're too long and serious for drinking night. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, no, no. This is a horror-related type movie. This is going to play out fine. Mm-hmm. And it did. It was fantastic. It wasn't a good drinking night movie. And so I go back to my ban on David Fincher. Uh, I don't think that we should keep choosing his movies for drinking night. I guess you're going to be disappointed to watch Gone Girl next week. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. 
<laughs> See, Gone Girl's the same way. Oh, I love Gone Girl. No, but again, but I mean, he makes good movies. He makes great mm-hmm. movies, even. But are they good to pair and drink to? Not necessarily. <laughs> but Seven was still fantastic. It was. I'm glad we watched it. I mean, you do need to see it if you haven't seen it. I mean, the acting is still just fantastic from almost everyone. Right. What's your, what are you rating it? Um, so I'm going to have to give it like a 92. I thought you were going to be higher. I was almost going to say 96, but like, I don't know. There are aspects of it that are like... I guess seem a little bit more outdated now. It's hard to like rate some things like this that are now getting older because I see too much of the like. That's my champagne. We're not peeing. <laughs> you know, like uh, I can't really keep track of when it's okay to have the like disgruntled bad cop who's like, I'm done with this place. This city's eating us alive. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, sometimes it's over the top almost. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like everybody hates the city. We get it. Mm-hmm. That's an aspect that I think at the time played well. Mm-hmm. And it was during, like, you know, the height of gang violence and uh, all these issues in, in uh, downtown parts of cities and whatever. Like, so I get it. Like, at the time period, you know, that's it's a statement people are making, whatever. But by today's standards, I just don't know. You know, it's just... Right. Uh, but still, definitely in the 90s because it's fantastic. Yeah. I'm giving it an 89. Very close. Yeah. I wouldn't call it one of my favorite movies of all time, but I definitely love this movie and I'm so glad that we watched it. If anything, I'm so impressed with how, how well the cinematography has held up. Like I said, it does not look like a movie that was made in the 90s. So I agree with that. I think that's pretty impressive. Well, in terms of a movie that's not going to hold up, <laughs> a second movie. A movie, by the way, that is a remake. I did not remember that it was a remake. Uh-huh. So House of Wax from 2005 is a horror movie with Paris Hilton, also Chad Michael Murray, Brian Van Holt, all other people that I can't say their names. <laughs> um, is it Alicia or Elisha Cuthbert? Uh, I think it's Alicia. Alicia Cuthbert. She's also in this. So this movie, directed by Jaume Collette Sarah. Never heard of that. I don't even know how you pronounce that. I'm definitely not pronouncing that correctly. He also directed The Shallows. Oh, you know what else he directed? Hmm. Jungle Cruise. (laughs) (laughs) If I ever needed more of a reason to not watch Jungle Cruise like you try to make us. He's also about to direct Black Adam. Okay, I don't know if that is. Uh, I believe it's... Is that DC? Hmm. I think so. It's really funny that we talk so much about Marvel and shit on here because... It makes it sound like I am like a I'm just as much of a comic book buff as you are. I'm not at all. I don't know anything about this stuff until it comes out. I'm just a very strong fan of the MCU. Right. Well, uh, I think Black Adam is a part of the DC universe, mm-hmm. and that's a new movie that's going to be coming out. It seems like he's directing it. Anyways, what is this movie about? Well, I'm glad you asked. So <laughs> the synopsis: a gang of college friends, including Wade, Jared Padlecki. Padalecki? Padalecki. That's uh, Dean from Gilmore Girls. There we go. Did you not know? Nope. Definitely didn't know his real name. Okay, so a gang of college friends, including Wade, played by Jared Padalecki, and his girlfriend, Carly, played by Alicia Cuthbert, are en route to a school football game when they wind up with a flat tire in a ghost town. This is like straight up (laughs) Scooby-Doo. I should have paired this with (laughs) Scooby-Doo. They are forced to seek help in the only place that's open, the local wax museum. Once inside the spooky and seemingly abandoned building, they find the works on display are not quite what they seem, and the group soon discovers it's being hunted by the insane twin brothers who run the museum. This is exactly what I want to watch. 
Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. I don't remember hardly anything about this. Uh, I remember a single scene. I did not remember that it was like literally a serious version of Scooby-Doo. Right. <laughs> um, I also do believe it's a remake of like a movie from the 40s or 50s. Uh, that's what I just mentioned. Yeah. So oh, was I not listening? It was from the 1950s. It's a remake from 1953. Oh, okay. I already have my shot in the dark. And I'm sticking to this shot in the dark, even though I feel like it's not going to happen. Okay. My shot in the dark is because this was peak Paris Hilton time. Mm-hmm. I, if she says like one of her catchphrases, like that's hot and even better if it's like described, like not like it, or if it's disguised, like not in her like normal, like nasally like way of saying it, but like, it's just like worked into conversation. So you need to give some explicit examples of what these phrases might be because it can't just be something said in like a valley girl voice no yeah no she had that's hot um she had something about like something sexy like that's sexy or something like that that's hot is really the one that i'm looking out for i feel like that's gonna be said like that's not even that distinct of a phrase it is for her like it'd be a huge deal for her to say that okay well that's your shot in the dark Mm -hmm. i'm gonna say that my shot in the dark is if Paris Hilton at any point in time has a tiny dog. Okay. Because I don't know if she will. She's playing a character in this. It wouldn't make sense for her to have a tiny dog, but I think she might have a tiny dog. I think that's excellent. So they're both two Paris Hilton shots in the dark. But you know what? Uh, That's fine. So there aren't any really good drinking rules out there for us. So I found one from filmdrunkiestumblr.com. Goodness. They have like 13 rules. I'm just going to do the first five. Sounds good. Um, Drink whenever someone says wax. Whenever Paris Hilton's acting is horrendous. Someone dies. There's a stupid horror movie cliche. And there's a shot of a wax figure. Okay. I'm going to add, so that shot in the dark is about Paris Hilton. And I think that that can fit in with yours, which is also about real life Paris Hilton. Uh-huh. I'm also going to add if something very Scooby-Doo-like happens. Okay, describe Scooby-Doo-like. Like saying meddling kids or, <laughs> or the word meddling. Okay, is it the word meddling? If there's any like part where you take somebody's mask off. Okay. If they're like, you know, something that would where we stop and we're like, that seems like Scooby-Doo. Okay, I'll allow it. I don't think that happens either, but. Because this is more serious. It's not like we're going to have a scene where they're like running in and out of doors down right. the hallway, right? But like <laughs> at the same time, that synopsis was literally the beginning of a Scooby-Doo. Yeah, like literally. you're in a van <laughs> as friends, it breaks down, and the only place nearby is a rundown wax museum. That right. is literally an episode of Scooby-Doo. Yeah. <laughs> if the Harlem Globetrotters show up. <laughs> I swear to God. Or Batman and Robin. <laughs> okay, well, I'm really excited to go watch this. Yep, me too. Okay, let's do it. And we're back from watching House of Wax, which might be a surprising movie to me. A surprising movie? Yeah, I mean, like, it wasn't a good movie. It was definitely a bad movie, but, like, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I remembered enjoying it in high school, but I, I think that's when I saw it. I can't remember. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely not like a great horror movie, but it's yeah. it's enjoyable to watch. It's an enjoyable horror movie. Um, not a single good acting performance. No, the acting was really bad. And 
I mean, you have, like, you brought up Dean from Gilmore Girls, mm-hmm. who acts like Dean from Gilmore Girls the whole time. <laughs> There's, like, one scene in particular where actually he's, like, kind of being kind of likable and about to spark an entire Gilmore Girls debate for people who are fans of the show. But, like, he's, like, pretty likable. And then there's, like, one moment where, like, this guy gives his girlfriend, like, a smirk of attention. And he's like, well, I guess there's another person in your fan club. And I was like, I swear to God, that's the line from Gilmore Girls. <laughs> yeah, it sounds exactly the way he talks in that show. Chad Michael Murray is also, that's his name, right? Chad mm-hmm. Michael Murray. He's also horrendous. He's um, real bad. And I think I mentioned last episode, like I've been rewatching One Tree Hill, where I'm like, oh, he's not that bad. Hmm. He was that bad. Well, his character was so poorly written. It's like, he's just playing like that, like bad boy. I don't care about the world, but I'm, I'm like, secretly good at heart but like you just don't know it because i'm so like right. stuck in my lane like it's, it's like that whole thing they make him and um do we say it was alicia Cuthbert? Yeah. yeah twins isn't that correct aren't they twins I don't think they're twins they're just siblings i think they alluded that they're twins because i think they're trying to juxtapose it with the twins oh. that run the oh that's the case i completely missed it they're at least siblings, though. And so her whole thing is like, you just don't understand him. He's not this bad. But you're introduced to his character when he walks out of a convenience store and kicks a homeless man and says, get a job. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> also, very early on, too, it's like they're like riding in the car on their road trip or whatever. And his sister's in the front seat with Dean. Not, that's permanently his name now. It's just, I don't remember his name from this movie. It was Wade, but I'm calling Wade. him Dean. That's right. <laughs> I'm calling Wade. him Dean. Um, she's in the front seat with Dean, and he's like in the back seat. And it, it, like, it doesn't make any sense, but he's like, you know, like slouching, like resting up against the side of the window. And he's like, I mean, it makes sense why she's with him. She likes pretending like she's someone she's not. Oh, so I wrote down that was my favorite quote of the movie. <laughs> so, like I said, I've been trying to write down quotes that I like, and I had. There's a few funny things throughout this, but my favorite quote was his. It's the first time that they see a sign for the House of Wax. Mm -hmm. They're driving and he's angry just at in general. He's like, again, he's that type of character. He's just kind of angry. He doesn't like anybody. He doesn't like that um, his sister is like, I don't know if she's with Wade or if they just broke up, but he's angry about something to do with their relationship. It's that she's deciding to move to New York City and Wade hasn't decided if he's moving Right, right, on. because he doesn't want to be in the big city and, right. and whatever. That's that's right. So it's like the first time that they pass a, sign, a road sign for the House of Wax, Dean is like, oh, look, a House of Wax. Mm-hmm. I keep telling him Dean, too. Because <laughs> that's the same. Wade keeps being <laughs> like, hey, look, a House of Wax. That could be cool. And Chad Michael Murray's character, which I don't remember his name, the, the quote I is... Think it might be Michael. Huh? Michael? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, But the quote is, I mean, yeah, if you like things pretending to be other things, which obviously you do, (laughs) (laughs) if you like things pretending to be other things, (laughs) as in wax things pretending to be real things. Like we have like horrendous. A, we have a Vegas trip coming up. Could you imagine like if like we're standing in front of Madame Trussaud and I'm like, yeah, Sean, if you like things pretending to be other things, we can go in there. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean it's it's so stupid. He also so in classic horror movie fashion, this does have a lot of horror movie tropes. Two of the biggest ones, of course, being like the like creepy rednecks 
because that's a big horror movie trope, right. right? Creepy rednecks. They all this like they're on their way to a concert. Um, I don't, I don't understand the whole premise. They're on is, their way to a game, but it's like a, a game. So not like, a not a concert, a game. Like a game, because they kept saying like things like, "Well, we can make it to the second half." Uh, and stuff like that, and well, they talked about scalpers and yeah. And well, well, either which way, they're, that they're on their way to go to that, and for whatever reason, I I thought that they like so the synopsis made it seem like the car just breaks down. Yeah, that's, that's not that's not, not what happens. What happens? <laughs> what happens is that they just decide to set up camp. Like mm-hmm. they just randomly are like, "Hey, we're in a desolate middle of nowhere. Let's set up camp here, and then we'll finish going mm-hmm. to the uh, to the game tomorrow." Also, my favorite thing, too, is, yes, like, they set up a full campsite, like, huge tents, like, I mean, like, they're prepared to camp. And then they're like, okay, let's just stop. We'll we'll wake up first thing in the morning and get on the road. Cue to the next day. It's 2.30 p.m. when they wake up. Which they even allude to. They say, <laughs> oh, no, it's 2.30. Like, they, they overslept by, like, many hours, like, six hours. But, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a whole issue. The other thing is that where they set up camp, they immediately are like, oh my gosh, it smells so bad. <laughs> well, you find out that the reason it smells so bad is that on literally the opposite side of like a tree <laughs> is a ditch filled with mutilated deer carcasses. It's like roadkill dumping. Yeah, but they're like cut up and yeah, like some of them are just antlers on like scalped deer, mm-hmm. like it's it, it, like deer scalps. It's It's like... There's no way that you could be on the opposite side of a pit of just rotting deer carcasses, like yeah. piles, like and mounds like hundreds of them. And just be like, no, we'll just keep camp here. <laughs> didn't you write down the quote of what they said? No, I didn't write it down, but it was basically... He, the Blake, who is... I, I don't know the actor's name. I just know that he was a My Cousin Skeeter on oh, Nickelodeon. Right. Well, uh, but he's like, he like they're talking about, they're like, something's dead out there. And he's like, no, what's dead is here. And we need to drink it to bring it alive. Like yeah. talking about like the vibe of what yeah, they're doing. Yeah, like the doing. party's dead and we need a drink. Yeah. But again, that doesn't make the smell go away. Right. Um, they just kind of pretend... To not smell it anymore. Right. But, but then the very next day, they accidentally basically run into this this thing. I mean, it, none of it makes sense. And then they see a hand in it, uh, which is just a wax hand. It turns out it's a fake mm-hmm. hand. But, like, again, they see, they run into, like, one of the redneck guys dumping a fresh carcass into this pit of, like, literally just, like, pools of blood mm-hmm. and, and guts. And with one human-looking hand sticking out of it. And they're like, oh, my gosh, this is creepy. And then he goes and picks up the hand and he's like, no, it's fake. See, as if that makes it just this, <laughs> makes it completely fine that you're just like literally hoarding deer carcasses in a pool right. of viscera. Yeah, that's disgusting. That um, was one of a moment I had to pull like my shirt over my head, which is what I do when I can't see something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the whole movie is a story in them. Coming upon situations that should just be so outlandish that you're like, no way am I doing this. And yet, they always just keep doing it. And a horror movie trope, again. But it's worse. It's it's like it's almost like that commercial that was like playing off of cha- a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. Where they're like, <laughs> yeah. where, where should we hide? Like in the garage or like in the uh, <laughs> chainsaw? Like <laughs> the thing with all the chainsaws hanging. Right. 
I don't quite understand how you, you run into that. You have a creepy situation where like a pickup truck comes and just like shines its headlights on mm-hmm. you and won't leave, but they also don't ever say anything to you. So that happens. You get picked up by the guy who's <laughs> unloading bloody deer carcasses into a pit. And then you're taken to a completely deserted town where supposedly you can find something to help fix your truck mm-hmm. that, that you wake up and is now broken. Right. Like all these situations don't add up, but the town is the biggest one for me. Right. The town, when you are dropped off at a town with no people in it, mm-hmm. that's a little suspicious. But also super suspicious that there's no people in it, but you hear like the like background noises of like children laughing and like, you well, know, just like day to day stuff happen around town. Well, not yet. That happens yeah. later yeah. at night. So I guess like during the day that's not playing, but like, I don't know. I just don't, I don't understand it quite but i don't know uh when you finally find the house of wax which is literally like a museum of wax sculptures but the museum itself is also made of wax it's like when you finally find it it's you know her and dean walking up (laughs) her and wade walking up to this place and it has a very clear clothes sign on it and not only that uh, Wade takes out his keys and like scrapes a whole chunk of the wall off and is like, I knew it. It was made of wax too. <laughs> and then he just kicks in the door and like, <laughs> it's like, I mean, they could have probably avoided this whole situation just by not doing that. Uh, I don't know. The whole thing is just like a little, a little weird in terms of all the danger they go through. Also, when they finally get to like the twins house where they're mm-hmm. living in this like mm-hmm. wax town. It's just like very overtly creepy. And even when they're eventually getting chased by the killers, they're like taking time to read newspaper clippings, (laughs) right? like opening drawers, (laughs) not to find weapons because they never find weapons. It's just like, oh, look, here's three newspaper clippings from 1970. (laughs) I should stop and read them. Let's sit down and read them. Like you can find out the background of these people after the fact, right? Right, but then we won't have a movie. Yeah, I mean, you could just explain it later, right? They could (laughs) they could go back and then try to figure out why this was happening. I don't know. It's yeah, doing it through newspaper clippings doesn't make sense, right? I mean, that's truly the sign of a bad movie, right? Well, and you could have even done it through newspaper newspaper clippings if they weren't actively being chased. Mm-hmm. Like she was actively in the middle of hiding mm-hmm. when she was looking at those newspaper clippings and her brother just like walking around, finding trap doors, going into the basement again while they're actively hiding. Right. And when they know that the people are there like looking for them, that that, that doesn't make any sort of sense to me. Even though I think that this is a bad movie i don't know if i would consider it a great drinking movie it's a pretty good drinking movie i mean i don't think we really followed any rules uh i mean maybe this need better rules yeah we didn't drink enough to wax because there's a lot of wax it's almost too much but like the thing was like when they say the word wax and like Mm -hmm. that doesn't happen nearly as often as everything being alluded to wax yeah I mean, they say house of wax, they they talk about things being made out of wax, but I agree. If you see the wax figures, it's probably harder to say if you see wax because there's wax everywhere. Mm-hmm. If you see a wax figure, then like 
That you was could, one of the rules. We just weren't drinking to it. Right. And that could be one. I mean, horror movie tropes was another one. I think that's just a little too abstract. So you need to like define it beforehand. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, I think honestly, ones? that's the one I was drinking to the most because there was just so many. Yeah. I mean, like the college students in the woods around a campfire, the murderous hillbillies, mm-hmm. the getting naked mm-hmm. just because. Because why not? Yeah, I mean, they're not fully naked. There's no real nudity in this, but there's still the scenes of undress, just right. like every horror movie. Right. I don't know. Like, what are you going to rate this? Um, It's definitely like an, a watchable horror movie, but it's not great. It was a good drinking movie, like a, a fun, enjoyable movie to watch mm-hmm. during a drinking night like this. I'd just give it like a um, 34. Yeah, that's solid. I don't know. Like, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about it. I think I'm going to give it, like, a 26. Um, because, like, I reserve my teens and single digits for movies that, like, I did not enjoy watching. Right. This one, like, I it was not a chore to watch. Like, I this was no hot chick, mind you. The Paris Hilton is in it. <laughs> yeah. And I don't mean that in that she's a hot chick. I mean, she acts as dumb as but the, I could take the people that in way, Hot Chick. I can take that way more than I can sitting through that movie. Yeah, I mean, her acting was real bad, and there were some scenes with her. One, her dialogue is basically just making out with her boyfriend. (laughs) Like, there's no, there's no real dialogue. It's literally just like her script must have said "make out with your boyfriend," and that's all it really says. Right. There's one scene where she finally does something. She doesn't really play a huge role in this movie. Yeah, she's just there. She does temporarily fight one of the people. Uh, in a scene that is so stupid. Right. Um, she can barely swing like a piece of metal. So it doesn't hurt the guy at all. And then. Right. Spoiler alert. Paris Hilton does die. But everybody saw that coming anyway. Right. But the way she dies is fantastic. Because <laughs> it is so <laughs> fake and terrible. I'm almost entirely certain that they used a dummy for that scene. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it almost looks like like a real sex doll. <laughs> like when she dies, the, the way like, especially right when it happens, not when they're like showing the after uh, right. the aftermath of it. In the moment of it happening, I swear it might as well have been a real sex doll. Like just like in the moment, right? Yeah. Well, good choices. So it's good to bring back Seven and watch that again. Yeah. And I feel like this was a great movie to kind of start off our Halloween season one very good movie and one not very good movie but uh (laughs) definitely enjoyable still if i was going to redo the pairing i would probably just i would keep house of wax that's Mm -hmm. a good drinking night movie Mm -hmm. and maybe just pick something a little less serious yeah i don't know what it would really pair with i would still like to pair it with scooby-doo but scooby-doo is a bad movie right but it has freddie prince jr and (laughs) matthew lillard (laughs) Why are we not naming Sarah Michelle Geller as our number one? Also Sarah Michelle Geller, yeah. <laughs> well, next week is my pick. Yeah? I'm pretty stoked about my picks, especially my bad pick, which I, apparently I always am. But first, for my good pick, I'm choosing one of the movies that I just listed um, when we were ranking our favorite horror movies. Mm-hmm. And that is The Others. And we talked about, we don't think that you've seen it, right? I don't think so. I, I went and looked at the, um, like, some screenshots and stuff. I don't remember seeing it, but I do remember the box art, like, the cover art mm-hmm. of it. But it, it came out in 2001, I think. Right. So that's probably why I haven't seen it if I haven't. Right. That's probably before, is it rated R? I doubt it because I saw it. Hmm. And I lived in a very strict household. Yeah, I'm not sure. 
So it's one of those, and this is one of the, this could be a 13 ghosts, right? Like, I, can't, yeah. I don't think I've seen this in like 17 years, but I remember it just being a movie that I just thought was so great. Um, so this could be horrible, but I, I don't think that it is. And we'll get into next week, the full plot of it. Cause I was like trying to describe to Sean and I was like, oh, I don't know. Like the kids don't like sunlight, kind of like midnight sun. Anyways, we'll talk about that next week for the bad movie. And making the connection between Ghost, mm-hmm. which is a, uh, I think, a very good connection for a Halloween season. Mm-hmm. This one, the, the backstory is on Disney Plus. <laughs> there is a series that's it's like called like Behind the Attraction or something like that, and it has it's like the show that gives you the history of like some of the most famous attractions at Disney World and Disneyland, mm-hmm. which is like my jam. Like I love that type of stuff, especially about Disney world. So my mom was in town a couple of weeks ago and we were watching it together and they had an episode on the tower of terror and which it reminded me of one of my favorite movies as a kid was the tower of terror movie that they made that obviously came after the ride. They just they were like, much like a jungle cruise, if you will. <laughs> Banking I was going to say the same because we, <laughs> now we're making uh, a continuation, right? Of, that Disney ride theme. Yeah, exactly. It's like the Pirates of the Caribbean week. But this is one of those movies that I think it's one when we were researching it a while back, we found out that it was like part of like the wonderful world of Disney movies that would come out on Sunday nights on ABC, but it's not officially owned by Disney or something like that. There's some reason why it can't be streaming on Disney Plus right now. Like Suzy Q. Yes, exactly. Because Suzy Q can't be up because it was actually owned by like the Canadian something. Yeah, so it's like a similar thing there. So I remember we talked about this like a year ago, and I was like, oh man, I really wish we could watch this movie, and we couldn't find it anywhere. We couldn't find it to buy. We couldn't find it to stream, and I was sad. And so when my mom and I were watching that episode on Disney Plus, I just like went and did like one more search to see if I could find it, and I found a single DVD copy on Amazon for five bucks. So I bought it. So that is a really long story to say <laughs> that my bad movie is going to be Tower of Terror, which one, I'm, I remember it as a great movie as a kid, but knowing that it was a scary movie geared for children, there's no way that it can actually be good. Did this come out in the early 90s? I want to say like 95-ish, but I might be wrong. Let me look it up real quick. Kirsten Dunst is in it, right? That's what you said? Mm-hmm. She just, on if that's her on the box... Uh, like the uh, the DVD box. I did. She had already done um, Drop Dead Gorgeous at that point. She just looked a little young is what I yeah. thought. Came out in 97. Huh. Not that long after she was Mary Jane, right? Like, this is, it's a little weird to me. Yeah, she, I mean, she looks like a teenager. I'm looking at, like, at the photos of the movie. Hmm. Yeah, I'm really excited to watch this. I hope that it holds up. Oh, my God, I'm looking at the cast, and guess what? Uh, Jan Levison. Oh, another one, yeah. another connection between our <laughs> movies. We see recurring themes here. We yeah. see recurring themes in actors, directors, writers, uh, especially for the bad movies, because yeah. I guess people get their niche of right. bad movies. <laughs> right. Sadly, within that bad movie um, scope is falling the Disney theme park ride movies, right. because the director from House of Wax did Jungle Cruise, right. like we said, and then Country Bears looks like a horror movie. We could... <laughs> I wonder who directed that one. I didn't look at it. You should have chosen that as your horror movie for the season. I really should have because, I mean, it's not a horror movie, but it it's terrifying. Yeah. Just looking at those animatronics. And I bet 
you know, I brought this up before. Um, Nick Cage was in a random movie in 2020 called like Wally's Wonderland, yeah. which is basically like five nights at Freddy's. I'm pretty sure it came out this year, right? Uh, I think 2020. It might have been early 2021. It's basically just like a haunted Chuck E. Cheese, right? And uh, that's the whole premise of of the video game too. And I don't know, this isn't officially related to that video game, but animatronic bears. So that would have been a connection. And that is like a horror movie. So That was 2021. Huh. Okay. Well, I think we had a successful night and I am looking forward to next week. Yeah, it'll be good. And there'll be, I'll have a uh, shot in the dark. I have for two, two shots in the dark. Yeah. Because I uh, don't yeah. think I have seen either. Nice. This doesn't happen often. No, if I saw Tower of Terror, it would have been when I was a child. Well, this was fun. Yeah. Toodaloo. <laughs> See ya. <laughs>